The Athen Real Talk podcast explores controversial ideas to stimulate debate and active thinking. These ideas do not always reflect Athen's personal views. Welcome to the Athen Real Talk podcast. He has been called the best gamer in the world, hands down. World famous gamer and philanthropist Athen. Gaming for good, it's called, has raised more than $20 million. Using his notoriety to raise money for charity. On activism, science, culture, and self-development. I'm proud to have him in the studio today. I would not want to take you on in a video game. I already talked about it, but I'm going to repeat myself, and it's about habits. Habits are certain programs that, you know, you acquire and you get used to and they become performed on autopilot. Getting rid of a habit, whether it's a good one or a bad one, takes energy. Acquiring a habit, whether it's good or a bad one, also takes energy. Even smoking, you might say like, yeah, smoke. Like when you start smoking, which is a really shitty habit, it's actually quite a barrier because it makes you cough, it makes you smell, it stinks. It requires some kind of, uh, you know, activation energy to get used to smoking. Getting rid of smoking is even harder though, but I'm just saying like once you're used to a certain pattern, the bad habits just dissolve and are not part of your life anymore. Your quality of life goes up, overall quality of life goes up, but you don't experience the benefits anymore as benefits and the lack of benefits as something you miss. So that's really something that a lot of people don't realize. When you eat healthy, the only difference between eating unhealthy and eating healthy is that once you're used to eating healthy, you just eat healthy. Your life expectancy goes up, everything goes better, and the only thing you have to do is go through a period of getting used to it. And this sounds quite crazy because a lot of people, when they just get used to working out, get used to eating healthy, get used to stop smoking, like these are all things that you can do in your life that has a drastic impact in the quality of your life and you get used to them. It's like if people come to me, it's like, whoa, man, you're eating all these things, eating healthy. Oh, how are you doing it? I really want my ice cream and stuff. You're not like addicted to ice cream. You just have bad habits. Like I don't miss ice cream. And that is the thing, like if you go, like when I was, I think it was in Mali, I asked a question from Reddit saying, what do you, do you like ice cream? She said, what is ice cream? Like if you don't know what it is, you don't experience dissonance. But the same with like, if something is not really your habit, you don't experience dissonance, you don't miss it. It's only when it's a habit and you crave for it that you experience dissonance. And that is something that, you know, is very easy to wrap your head around. But just like yesterday, when I talked about facts, I can give facts and how your brain has the ability to just adapt to crazy situations, and yet people still go and grab their fucking Snickers or Mars from the table or drink their Coca-Cola, even though I made it very clear if you're used to stop taking that shit, your quality of life goes up and you don't miss it. You get used to it. You get used to the bullshit, but you also get used to not taking the bullshit. So I think if people would be more aware of getting rid of their bad habits and acquiring good habits, that it won't take so much effort. It's mainly the belief gap that makes it look like it's very hard and such that gives you that big threshold of activation energy you need or motivation or willpower you need. But actually, it's not that big of a deal at all. And when you experience these emotions or these thoughts, if you don't identify with them, if you just look at them as an observer, you can literally let go Coca-Cola or sugar or whatever right now. You can start actually working out right now. And that's why I think being aware of good and bad habits and to the extent that you can get used to these mechanisms really allow you to really get much better, much more uh, aware person. And even if there's stuff you like to do, it's not so hard to take them part of your habits. It's just like brushing your teeth or taking a shower. These are habits. 
You just do them naturally. You don't go like, fuck, I gotta brush my teeth again. Fuck, I gotta take a shower again. Fuck, I gotta put my socks or my shoes on. You just do it because it's just habit. It's just a routine. So yeah, having the right routines can help you drastically. And that's why if you have good education and you grow up as a child like good with very little bad habits, you just, you know, grow up in that stuff. You don't miss all the sugar bullshit. You don't miss all these things. You just get coded and conditioned properly from the get-go And then you don't have to go and start deconditioning or reprogramming yourself with better habits. That's why education and how you grow up is quite, you know, important as well. So yeah, habits and bad habits, like honestly, knowing how it works and how actually easy it is to change these habits that can have a drastic impact on your life, if you really reflect on that, might give you enough willpower to get into it. Another thing I wanted to talk about, it's a little bit unrelated, I have actually three topics I wanted to talk about that are related, and this is about emotional intelligence, and it's a very important topic. People that are more emotionally intelligent are better at achieving their goals through communication by manipulating other people. And um, this manipulation procedure can either be with good intentions when the person wants the benefit of the, the world, or bad intentions when the person does it for himself. And I already explained that a week ago, as we grow up, we don't learn Like, we don't have the instinct to not lie, for example. We just have an approval-seeking system. If we get rewarded for our behavior, we keep doing that. If we don't get rewarded, we stop doing that. And depending on how emotionally intelligent you are, you can literally learn how to deceive people. And if you don't get caught, you just keep doing it because you get rewarded for that behavior. Girls are more emotionally intelligent than guys, by the way. Like, way more emotionally intelligent. And this is something a lot of guys don't know. And that's why I'm explaining it. A lot of girls play guys like fucking toys. It's insane. They're really aware of the dynamics between boys and girls and they really take advantage of it. I'm not saying that guys aren't assholes either, whatever, but I'm just saying like it's important to be aware of these mechanics because if you're fully aware of it, you can actually catch them. And one of the mechanics that girls, but not just girls, but just people with higher emotional intelligence love to do when you catch them red-handed is to turn themselves into a victim position and basically turn themselves into like, oh, how dare you question my integrity, my trust, whatever. And it's just like cards they try to pull and throw, even though there is no issue to even do that in the first place. And that's why I also said back in the days, like a week ago, I said, I always give people the benefit of the doubt until I have enough stuff stacked up to make a case. Because people with higher emotional intelligence love to switch the tables around. When you question something, they go like, hey, why do you distrust me? And then they use all kinds of, you know, gray area interpretations to make it look like, oh, these IDs say that you don't trust me or whatever. And the thing is, though, like to be fully aware of that, being aware of these mechanics and how people with more emotional intelligence take advantage of these things. And that in a certain area, it's just how we grow up. If you don't feel like, oh, it's wrong to lie, for example, you will just be lying to get what you want or doing other shit. And the victim card, playing the victim card when you're being exposed is something that I see happening a lot. And it's just something for you guys to be very hyper aware of. What another strategy that people love to use is to be very convincing, like to be extremely convincing and say like, no, 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 this happened, this happened, like really, really extremely convincing. So you start doubting yourself. It's also a strategy that people with high emotional intelligence are really good at to exploit. Yeah, the reason why I'm talking about it is because emotional intelligence is something that you can acquire and learn quite a bit that allows you to be much more successful in life, for the better or for the worse, depending on your intentions, of course.
just be aware that, you know, if you're fully aware of these dynamics, like these scenarios happen, always, you know, if your intentions are good and you have integrity in your actions, there's nothing to blame. But like that is a strategy that is really used though to try and blame, to put the blame on you, even though you can ask yourself fucking questions. I don't know how many people can uh, relate to that. There's another thing I wanted to talk about and it's religion. I normally never talk about religion, but I'm going to talk about religion because I've been listening to uh, Homo Sapiens, the audiobook, and it's a really interesting thing. Because people really sometimes think that religion is really bad. But when you really go back in time and you look at human evolution, we used to have like small little tribes of working together. Once you hit a certain amount of people, like 150 or whatever, the social structure cannot hold it. So you need something that binds it, that binds people together. It's just like small little groups of monkeys or whatever. You don't have groups that are bigger than 150 that work together in one social um, entity. And um, when you look at humans, the moment where the humans started advancing like crazies with the cognitive revolution, where people had the ability to imagine certain concepts, like whether it's gods or money or corporations or nations, basically imagine something and attach an emotion to an imagination. Religion has been a very big unifier. Because once humans became more agricultural and really settled, they needed a collective paradigm to be able to work together across a bigger region and more people. Because while with smaller groups you can still think about, for example, the spirits or the ghosts like Indians. Indians, like when they were smaller groups, they thought about spirits and about ghosts, so you have to respect the wolf or whatever. But if you go even further and you reach out to even bigger collectives then basically the trees that grow in your place don't grow on the other side of the continent and the wolves in your place do not exist there. So you needed a stronger binding that was more universal. And the strongest one of all of it that binds us is money. Then you have empires and then you have religion. And the reason why I'm saying this is because religion went through a lot of different phases as well. You had first polytheism, which was believing in many different gods. And then you had dualism, was believing in evil and in good. And then you had monotheism. And the crazy thing is like, the core thing is that religion brought order to many people and a certain moral compass. Like polytheism was just less compatible for that because everybody was believing in their own gods and had their own rules, to put it that way. While if you believe in monotheism, everybody just follows the rules of one god. Although you still had their different, like you have Islam and you have uh, Christianity and such. But the thing is, what is important to also know, and that's really interesting, is that you also had duality, which believed in evil and good. The thing is, with believing in evil and good, is that you cannot justify why you would have to be good or evil. And that's something that you could do in monotheism. But the problem with monotheism is like, why would a god be evil? If a god is omnipotent, why would he have people suffer that are good? And that is why dualism was also something that was quite popular, but got incorporated in actually monotheism. That's why you believe in Lucifer and Satan and shit. Because in the Old Testament, there was no duality at all. They actually added it afterwards. And it's just very fascinating if you look at evolutionary biology to understand how religion came to existence and how it actually brought people together for the better, also sometimes for the worse, and how everything has a reason. And why evolution biology is so important. Same with like neuroscience. It allows you to understand why we exist, why we have culture, why we have religion, why we have these thoughts and ideas, where they come from, why we have money. 
It's very fascinating. Because same with money. If you had two different nations, how could they trust each other? Money was the ability for them to trust both on it. Like since one culture knows that the other values gold, they start valuing it a lot more as well. And it then creates trade and everything. So yeah, it's just very fascinating to see how these imaginary concepts, such as money, gods and religion, nations and corporations, have been crucial in our development as a species. And now we also have the idea of identity. And identity and individualism is also a construct. Allows us to, you know, really work hard to buy all the shit we don't really need. You can, of course, argue whether that's a good or a bad thing, but it's just fascinating to understand the underlying mechanics and understand that we have the capacity to believe in imaginary things. And by doing so, we have evolved a lot for the worse, but also sometimes for the better. And that is something that people have to be aware of. And that's why having a paradigm that is built on beliefs in line with reality is by far the most powerful one you can have. It's the best one. Making sense is the best paradigm you can have. You align your beliefs with reality through scientific method, knowledge or whatever. It's by far the most advanced paradigm you can have. And by understanding evolution, biology and neuroscience, right now, a lot of the unknowns are being tackled and answered. And it's about existential anxiety. And existential anxiety boils down to the fear of unknown when it comes down to consciousness. And people that experience maybe near-death experience or experience some very consciousness-altering experiences can start experiencing a strong level of existential anxiety. Fear of death or fear of what we are and <clears throat> to which extent there is a connection with reality and such. And I wonder how many people actually have that existential anxiety. The way the existential anxiety expressed itself for me was that when I got more into quantum mechanics and understood that consciousness is central and nothing is external, I was wondering to which extent reality could collapse on itself, which would really cause my consciousness to experience a uh, less consistent reality. And it was something that really bothered me quite a bit because maybe on a fundamental level, consciousness is directly connected with reality. And if consciousness starts shivering, or reality starts shivering, consciousness starts expressing itself in a much less consistent way. That was really a long time ago, but the way I overcame it is to truly understand that reality and consciousness requires both the same advanced mathematical patterns to express themselves, and your ability to even experience fear and have memories requires these advanced mathematical patterns. So if these mathematical patterns that bring about reality start breaking down, your ability to think and have memories and experience fear would also break down so it is nonsensical to apply anxiety and fear on a concept that wouldn't be able to express itself and the emotion wouldn't be able to express itself if these mathematical laws would not apply anymore so consciousness and reality are two sides of the same coin and the mathematical patterns that bring about the consistency in both are the underlying requirement for both to even exist in the first place so yeah trusting reality is an important aspect of making sense. Because if you don't trust reality, then what can you trust? You can't trust anything, basically. But if you trust reality, then it's also important to give it authority, to give reality authority. People give governments authority. People give people authority. People give uh, social conditioning authority, friends authority, their girlfriend authority. But the one that should have the most authority is reality. And even though that is a fact, people go like, of course... 
it's not what goes on in people's lives. They go through life and they don't give reality so much authority. They see facts and they still want to believe what they want to believe. They see what they want to see. But if you give reality absolute authority, then if you experience facts, you don't argue. You just accept. And the funny thing is that happens either way, sooner or later. But if the confrontation is not harsh enough, people can still, you know, hold on their flawed beliefs. Same with identity. Like, since reality has so much authority over me, like, literally, reality is so important to me. Since reality has so much authority to me, if I experience a certain thought or idea, if I have a belief that is not in line with reality, I just override it. I don't argue with reality. I just accept it. And that is something very little people do. It's actually quite rare. Most of you guys, you guys don't really care so much about reality. You go through life more impulsively, more emotionally. Even if you see facts like, oh, if you work out, you're going to be more happy and more healthy. I can say that it's a fact, yet nobody follows up on it. Azulter says, so you're telling us that we doubt the world we live in, or maybe even other human beings, or even beyond that, or at least some people doubt this. What will become of those people? They live in their little dream world. They commit suicide. Please explain. I'm interested. Azulter, the jungler, but even you. Like Invel, yes, very few people accept reality. Yes, very few people accept reality. If I would go as far as saying, if you guys fully accept reality, like fully accept it, you guys would come over here. Almost all of you. Because making sense is directly connected to accepting reality. But most of you guys don't accept reality at all. Most of you guys are delusional, dogmatic thinking. I can give a fact, it doesn't matter. It doesn't get absorbed. Like look at the elections in the US. You think facts dictate the debates? It doesn't. Most of you guys are delusional. Even I am on a certain level a little bit delusional. I try to work on that though, but yeah. Gay can, no, I'm not referring to ignorant people. I'm referring to humanity. We haven't grown up to accept reality for what it is. We have grown up to personalize reality and to uh, be adapting to it through our instincts and our uh, evolutionary biology. But we haven't adopted like a strong overlap of our beliefs with reality because if that was the case, the world wouldn't be looking the way it looks. We identify with dysfunctional beliefs all the time that are not in line with reality. That's why I keep mentioning your identity does not exist. Your identity is flawed. It's not in line with reality. Yet most of you guys have serious identity issues, even though I'm saying like you're believing that you're Superman. You're in a certain level literally delusional. When you go around live and say, this is me, I'm this, I did this, I did that, you're just full of shit. It's like you're literally just rambling about stuff that is dysfunctional. You are an ever-changing unit that expresses itself in the now. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's why I give the example of, like, imagine you're a clone. Who are you if you're a clone? What was your past? Past is just information. It's just like you go like, yeah, I did this, I did that. And I go like, but you didn't. Yeah, my ancestors did. But you are not your ancestors. Yes, I am. My ancestors are as much part of me as my own history. My tree line just keeps going. My grand-grandfather was Einstein, therefore, I'm the one that also discovered these things. You'd say you're crazy. There is actually cultures that thought like that, that carried the burden of their ancestors, that identified with it. And you're just identifying as much as they identify with their ancestors with a past that is not in the reality right now. It's not part of reality at all. Well, Cracky says, how do you think we can solve the Middle Eastern crisis? Like, Cracky LPS, it's not the right question to ask. And I'll be really confrontational. 
When people ask these questions, they're not really asking how can we solve the Middle East crisis. They're asking how do I confirm to myself that I'm just sitting on my lazy ass, being busy with shit that is not relevant so I can justify to sit on my lazy ass. That's actually the real question. Because if you don't have influence over these things, you're literally wasting your time thinking about it. So the first question before even answering your question is, is the answer relevant to you, yes or no? Because if it's not relevant, you can have the fucking holy grail answer, you won't do shit. And the moment you realize that, rather than asking these questions, you start wondering, what can I actually do to improve the world? And then suddenly, questions like that suddenly become completely irrelevant. It's important. That's why when people come and say, like, what do you think about the Illuminati? What do you think about this? What thing about that? I think you're wasting your time. That's what I think. And you've got better things to do. Cracky LPS says, Atin, very good point. The reason why it matters to me is because as someone who believes in science above all else, I feel like the only way for humanity to completely evolve further requires a united world government and those kind of crises do not allow that. Also, even if it didn't matter to me, it matters to mankind's future and that is why I find the answer to the Middle East crisis very important. No. The reason why you find it important is because it allows you to intellectually masturbate. Because if the answer doesn't help you one step further in developing and growing as a person, you're literally wasting your time. It's about looking at the world from a practical mindset rather than one that is completely biased on some intellectually created identity. It's like change starts with yourself. You are the only variable in the equation of your existence. Do you understand what I mean with that? Even the ripple effect of other people, everything is caused by you. Everything else is a constant. If you start looking at life like that, every single problem becomes personalized. You think, how can I make that other guy's problem my problem? Because I'm the only variable. You don't have impact on other people. The only impact you have on other people is through you. And that still puts it back to you. And if you realize that you are the only variable in the equation and everything else is a constant, then you always focus the problems on how can you improve. That's what I do every day. I never wake up and go like, oh, the world is so bad. What can I do about the world? The world is so... Oh No, I wake up and I think, what can I do about it? How can I make the world move forward? Even if someone else fucks up, I think, how could I have avoided this from happening? I don't go around and go like, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault. I just go around and I say like, how can I adapt to reality the most effective way so I can move on and have the biggest impact? And pitying or blaming doesn't help anyone forward. And if you have that mentality and that insight and that non-biased way of looking, you will achieve so much more in life. That's why I'm so successful. It's a very, very, very important way of going through life. I also want to say, like, combined to that is what is more important than what you say is how you say it. It's also very important to be aware of that. What you say speaks to the reason. How you say it speaks to the emotion. People are so emotional as fuck. Always have an agenda, figure out how to reach your goal, and just figure out how to say it. There's many different strategies in psychology as well. Cracky LPS says, Well, yeah, I try to change the world the way I can. That is why I'm studying engineering to give my future generation a better life and more resources to evolve. And yes, the other question is a bit mental masturbation, but hey, that can be fun sometimes. Keep doing what you're doing. I would try studying neuroscience, but biology bores the fuck out of me. I prefer physics. Let me tell you something, Cracky. If you really want to have a big impact in the world, start watching the podcast and apply to come here. One person here has a bigger impact than probably the entire chat combined. Maybe not now. But they're learning, growing really fast. And then it's just about like focusing on how to have the biggest impact in the world. That's my tip for free. That's why I'm doing these real talks. 
thoughts to inspire people to think for themselves, to really think very rational and consistent. And the way I look at it is very simple. If I was hyper-intelligent, what would I do? I would try to find other people that are like-minded to have an even bigger impact. What do you want to do then? You want to inspire other people and educate people to become hyper-intelligent. What do you do then? You create an environment where, you know, people can come over and, you know, it can grow. So action, actually action, comes after a long other series of steps to be taken. If you have two highly intelligent people sitting in the same room and they can communicate with each other, they will always come to the same conclusion if they can express their experiences properly. And that is the beauty about this place. You just come over here, we discuss stuff, and we just you know work on stuff that has the biggest impact. That's it. If you have the next best idea, everybody starts working on that instead. So yeah, if you start realizing that and thinking about that, you go like, wait a minute. Yeah, being in an environment like that will be much more stimulating for me. It will make me grow so much faster. It will make me have a, such a bigger impact. I think the best thing you can do and become is a teacher. But when I say a teacher, it's not just a teacher in schools. I'm talking about a real teacher, inspirational teacher, inspiring millions. And I think every single one of them that is watching, you could become that. You could really be here and inspire people here. You could be inspiring people, you know, by coming up with ideas that are really effective. Subscribe to youtube.com slash wins. Watch the live stream at twitch.tv slash Live. And follow the real Athene on Snapchat.